Telling stories is one of our core identifiers as a species. No other animal on the planet does it. Well, sure, my dog might take a treat from Courtney and then play me for the fool by acting like he's starving. And yes, some primates can communicate through sign language, but I'm not talking about communicating or learning rewarding behavior. I'm talking about the art of storytelling. From cave drawings to word of mouth to written word, photography, music, even a social media post, it's at our core to weave together a string of events from our past or from our minds to entertain and educate and start conversations. And my favorite kind of story is, of course, the scary one. There are all sorts of ways to tell a scary story. Some of them are defined by your environment, like a campfire or a sleepover, and some are defined by your resources, like making a film or documentary. I have a proclivity for writing and performing short stories because that's what I can afford to do. Those are my most accessible skills. But whenever the opportunity arises, I always jump at the chance to collaborate. Collaboration opens new doorways to vastly expanded creative realms. It's exciting and scary and addicting to merge minds together to see what could be dreamt up if only we push each other beyond our comforts and into the unknown. And that's exactly what T.W. Burgess has done with his new book, Early Haunts. Tom has gone back to the earliest of days to bring back to life classic tales of horrors unspeakable from as early as 74 BC. And he has retold them by marrying the adapted words to the art of five brilliant illustrators to create a graphic novel. We put together this episode now because the book is in its final two weeks of orders on Kickstarter, and Cody and I thought it was so cool we just had to spread the word. So join us for a quick but fascinating conversation with T.W. Burgess, or Tom, and then we'll be back on schedule tomorrow with our first archive episode. Welcome to Haunting Season. I want to put this out here at the start because I think it's important. This interview is not sponsored in any way. In fact, the whole interview really comes down to us connecting over Twitter. I got a simple message from Tom a few days ago that said, do you ever review graphic novels? And I said, I would love to send it over. And as soon as I started to leaf through the pages, I immediately knew I was looking at something really special. Four classic historical spooky tales, five incredible and diverse artists. I wasted no time in getting Tom on a call with us. So Tom, welcome to Haunting Season. Thanks guys, it's really nice to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. It seems like you have a lot of experience with graphic novels. Is that, what is it that draws you to them as a medium? I've always been a big fan of ghost stories and I really wanted to try and move that, that genre within like the graphic novel itself, which I hadn't really seen done to any great extent before. Uh, so it's just such a great visual medium that you can really play with. You can, you know, mess around with the page turns. You can put those jump scares in. 
stuff which you wouldn't be able to do with like pros. Okay, beautiful. I read the first two. I'll just say that. And I was blown away. I, I sent Josh a text and I was like, I said, this is amazing. This is great. Uh, have, have you worked with these uh, illustrators before? And how did you, how did this whole thing come together? I've worked with a couple of the illustrators a few times before in different projects. Um, I did a, a short book last year, which was like a book of ghost stories. The, the money earned from selling the book went towards the Australian wildfires donation fund at the Australia Zoo that were treating like all the animals. Um, and I was really lucky just to get some fantastic illustrators who donated their art. There's, there's Brie Newman, who she's actually based out in LA. Um, she did The Tale of Dish Mansion, which is the story which inspired The Ring. There's David Romero, who's down in Texas. Um, I've worked with him a few times, different projects. Amazing talent. Brian Coldrick, who's done some fantastic work on IDW in the past. Uh, and also Mike O'Brien, who, who does the first story, but the, the House in Athens. Um, so yeah, it's just been, I've been really privileged that they're an absolutely amazing team to have worked with. When it came time to imagine a new project for yourself, what was it that drew you to adapting these early works as opposed to writing something completely brand new? Those stories in particular, I've, I've always had like a real draw to, um, especially like Jacob Marley, like the ghost of Christmas past and the ghost of Christmas present. Um, you know, they're kind of stories that resonated right through to my childhood. Uh, and I really wanted to delve into the background. So it was just a great excuse really just to take that story and kind of look into where the inception of uh, these ghosts came from in, when Dickens started writing it. And from there, from doing that first story, it was just such a ton of fun just going into it and kind of uh, seeing all the different influences he took that I started to try and break down some other famous ghosts. And Sleepy Hollow just seemed a perfect one. Big fan of, you know, the, obviously Washington Irving. The facts he wrote in Birmingham over here, which is kind of nuts really because uh, it seems such like an American staple. And and yeah, I'm just, you know, a huge fan of Japanese horror. So Koji Suzuki for The Ring and uh, and for Frankenstein, Mary Shelley, you know, I've long loved her work. Uh, and she's got like a huge influence over here. So it was just great just kind of going into what really inspired her and the, and the whole Gothic movement, which I mean, is so influential in so many like horrors that we see today. Uh, you know, stuff like Crimson Peak, like Del Toro's work, which is so heavily influenced by Gothic. It, it was really hard in truth, because there's like, there's at least probably about another 20 stories I'd love to have done. But yeah, it was it was just great fun just to have an excuse. I was really surprised by The Ring because I, that's one of my all-time favorite horror movies. It just happened at like a really pivotal point in my youth, you know, and it was a great movie theater experience. And it was something that kind of evolved a culture around it. And then I found out that it, you know, originally came from Japan and, and the movie Ringu, I never looked past that. So this was kind of like a pleasant surprise to see the origin of that in in this graphic novel and connect to my own childhood in a way. The, the crazy thing about that story is there's like 48 different versions across Japan. So there's like, there's constant contest between who's got the actual ring well. So there's like uh, Himeji Castle, they've got their own well, which is supposedly is haunted by this, uh, this ghostly woman which comes out at night. Um, and then there's different. There's a whole different province, which is where my story is set. So yeah, that, no one's kind of ever said, "Oh, this is the definite ring world." But my story is kind of the closest to it that I could find. But it's such a, just such an amazing story, so chilly. What made you want to sort of jump around the globe a little bit with this? Because the first one's Athens, like I think it said 74 BC, possibly to 6 AD, somewhere in there. Uh, you know, so there's like really early stuff. There's stuff from 17, 1800s, and and they're all in different parts of the world. How did you narrow it down? It was really tough. Uh, I, I mean, to be honest, like the ancient Athens is pretty much the, the closest thing we have to like an earliest case of a haunted house story. So for me, that was kind of like a, a no-brainer. I just really wanted to cover that one in particular. In terms of like looking into Japanese horror, 
there's such a ton of different options and, and the Far East as a whole. So it was just a great excuse to include that as well. And then the Germanic influence, uh, I appreciate like the Death Bride and also the Wild Jaeger, uh, the Wild Huntsman, um, are both kind of like Middle European, um, but they're both so rich in their lore. And that, that lore, one thing which really came across in doing the research is the fact that, you know, so many of these countries, they were, the, you know, obviously the, the hundreds and thousands of miles apart, but they've got these stories which have these, these links that kind of, uh, these familiarities between them. So I, I really found that fascinating. And, you know, it's almost that, that thing of that shared folklore, which somehow transcends across the world. Who does it best? <laughs> it's, it's tough. I'd say probably Japanese are really hard to, like the Japanese yeah. folklore is really hard to beat. Yeah, the stuff's so just insane as well. Like instead of talking heads and, uh, you know, kind of pregnant ghosts and stuff like that, it's just things which is incomparable to other countries. And, you know, I only kind of touched the surface I'd love to have gone a lot deeper. Yeah, so you're you live in England, and uh, that's a, a much older country than ours is over here in America. And my experience being over there in college was that there's uh, so much history. It feels like there's so much more supernatural strength over there. Is there uh, stuff from your experience growing up over there, or even up to today, um, that inspires your writing and and I guess the core question is, how did you get into writing scary stories? I've always loved ghosts. Like ghost stories for me have always just been like that passion going back. It's like my earliest memories. I, I mean, like we've got, you know, pubs in every corner, which have like their resident spook. But and I live in Canterbury where we've allegedly got the, the first ever, I think it's like the modern ghost story was born, which was uh, the case of Mrs. Veal. So that's always kind of had a, a real resonance to me of in terms of wanting to kind of investigate further you know I'm, I'm supposedly in the most haunted county in, in England so it's just you know the 80s for me were just filled with ghost references that like you, you don't seem to get it as much now but like TV just seemed absolutely packed with like monsters and horror so you know my childhood was firmly you know I was raised in like hammer horror amicus films uh, anthologies which horror anthologies seem to be have come back in like in a big way in the last 10 years. The beautiful thing about anthologies is the uh, collaboration, I think. It, it's a whole different realm to write something yourself uh, and then to put your head together with a bunch of different artists. How did collaboration play into this project and what, what were the like the finer points of it? To be honest, it was pretty seamless. And having worked with the guys before was really uh, just uh, privileged. The stories themselves were quite unwieldy, but that was the whole point of taking it to a graphic novel where you know, for instance, the uh, the Tenth Dish Mansion, the Japanese story, it's like this ancient Japanese tale, which you know first needed translating and then breaking down into like a narrative that you could easily frame into different panels, and then just working out where your your jumps or your your scare points would be. Brie was fantastic because uh, yeah, she she got the tone of it straight away. It's that kind of neo manga style where you know it's kind of slightly on the edge of being really scary, but never quite goes that way just with that heavy tone of like uh, shadows and uh, and the same really for, for the others uh, you know D David's influence for um, the Death Bride which was like a really gothic tale set in Italy I gave him some reference points so with every artist I give them like a pack on Dropbox of uh, you know aesthetics settings like sketches of like different costumes everyone kind of got it from the get-go the, the key phrase that everyone pretty much took, took away was just make it as scary as possible. In the ring story at the end, the, the way her hair kind of takes over the page at times early on, just like the close-ups of the ghost in Athens, you know, with his chin hanging open and some crooked teeth. It's got just enough to kind of make you 
be able to see it when you close your eyes at night, uh, which is really fun. <laughs> I really love stuff like um, as a kid, like Goosebumps and um, Are You Afraid of the Dark and the, uh, oh, uh, you know, uh, Scary Stories. It was a huge, huge thing for me. So it's that kind of wanting to take these stories and hopefully open them up to like, a younger audience that would just not really understandably get an opportunity to, to read them. Uh, so, yeah, so hopefully kind of, as you say, straddling that right, that balance between too scary and just approachable was uh, was key thing. And so you've got this up on Kickstarter and it seems to be going uh, quite well. I think you're four times past your original goal. Um, how did you set that goal and what's your goal now that you're so far past it? Uh, I suppose like I was quite naive in terms of Kickstarter. It was my first campaign uh, and I put a relatively low goal just in the in the hope that perhaps I'd meet it and just be able to, to get it on a, a quick and easy print run. Um, so yeah, it's kind of blown me away just how how kind of much steam it's picked up. The next goal really ideally would be to hit the 20k mark. Uh, and that in doing so, that would unlock an extra early haunt, which it was one which came really close to going into the book. And it's the the story of that inspired uh, The Turn and Screw or like Bly Manor, uh, which I read a few years ago for the first time. And I was kind of like amazed that, you know, obviously we've had that resurgence of all the Turn of the Screw remakes and, and obviously, yeah, say blind manner doing doing rounds at the moment but the story that inspired it in my opinion is far more terrifying and it's like a really really scary haunting so um it was it just seemed a great opportunity to hopefully do that next uh, so brian caldrick who's illustrating the the world huntsman he's uh, he's done some panels we've got a, a short trailer and uh, yeah the plan would be if it all goes ahead then we'll do a short comic yeah we're, we're on about 17 at the moment and that's on the 20k mark so if it goes ahead all every backer gets uh, a free comic which would be cool that's amazing um and there's uh just about two weeks left in the in the kickstarter so it's november 6th i think it ends yeah yeah just after halloween 17 days left roughly that's fantastic and then um so what happens after the kickstarter ends are there going to be copies for people to buy on your website or is this the limited run for now so for now this is just going to be the limited run the plan being that this book will be ready for and in people's hands before christmas like uh, next month i'm just expecting to be surrounded by gif bags and uh and post-it notes so yeah as much as i'd love to have a stack and be sending them on afterwards at the moment yeah this is going to be it i'm certainly excited to get a copy i don't think we mentioned it's it's a hardback it's this sort of beautiful big book filled with art and history and scary stories i it's like all my favorite things wrapped into one that's really cool thanks i should say as well we've hit the ar mark as well so um uh, every everyone backing right now um you'd be able to scan in a special code and uh, you'll be able to download an app and basically scan certain panels in the comic and they'll come to life as you're going through it. So just to give it an extra depth. That's unbelievable. I don't know anything about that process. Is that uh, like a super complicated process or is it a matter of like making video and then there's someone who codes it? Yeah, so I'm a graphic designer animator by trade. So I've done all the animations and then I, I've worked with the team that I worked with last year. I did a short form ghost storybook. Uh, called Photogas, which is based on a series of tweets that I put out, which kind of like two line ghost stories pretty much with a, an animated GIF. Uh, and it was just a great excuse to try and almost do that Harry Potter thing of like, can you have like a book where the images animate? Um, and that seemed the closest thing to it. So uh, so again, yeah, you download a download an app. Uh, as you scan it, these haunted pictures come to life. So it just seemed a natural progression to kind of take it into a, a comic. From start to finish, was this like over like a span of like two or three years or is this just like six months, three months? I mean, like how long did this take? So I, I guess I probably started working on it back in like 2017, 18, 
roughly. So just kind of tentatively going into different ghost stories and thinking, oh, uh, you know, this would be cool if you broke it down into like so many pages and have it had it as like a an actual comic. And then it's just been a case of chipping away at it. Uh, and then when this year, you know, everything kicked off, there was an opportunity around work for to, to really kind of develop it. And um, I'd, I'd taken around to uh, a bunch of publishers over the last year and I think publishing at the moment is kind of like touch and go in a lot of situations. So they, they were kind of like, this is cool, but this this is going to be a lot of work. Um, and I, I just don't think anyone really had the incentive to it to really run with it. And I was just uh, kind of crazy enough and uh, impassioned that I wanted to, to do something with it rather than just let it sit on a desktop somewhere. So amidst the chaos of this year, it's just been like a good distraction. So the shutdown kind of helped move this thing forward and where you were able to just like you know buckle down and be like all right this i'm i'm this is what i'm doing yeah no absolutely um as you say it was uh it's just been a great opportunity to, to finally get it done or do you th think like there'll be some sort of influence of the pandemic in some of your future works i kind of think everyone's going to be sick of it i mean god, god knows what the future is going to bring but I, th I think people just want distractions away from it at the moment and it's that time of year where you know perhaps we'd be getting together at like halloween parties and stuff and the closest thing I guess we've got is, um, you know, we've got ghost stories, we've got spooky stuff on TV and horror films, and it's, uh, you know, it's the perfect distractions right now. Once it, things kind of get to some sort of normalcy, I don't think anyone's going to be like, oh, hey, let's go back to that ho horrible time. That's it. I, I mean, to be honest, uh, that was a really good motivation to do the, the other early haunt. It's all about a woman in, who's kind of like locked down in this big mansion, and she's being haunted with a bunch of kids. So that, to me, that, that was kind of the closest thing I've come to it, which has been really great fun to work on during lockdown um but if it goes well I've, i'd love to do like i could at least do like another early horns two and a, a three but me and a, a one of my project partners uh we're working on a comic at the moment which it's only going to be a short one which is part of a bigger project called ghoster um we're putting out for christmas online so it's just gonna be um, a short form comic and then we're hoping to kickstart as a comic um, probably around March next year. Well, I'd love to see something just based on your, like you said, your town is basically like one of the most haunted places. So you, you must have a lot of inspiration there. Any chance of maybe a little comic coming out with all the, you know, the stories based out of your little city? Yeah, for sure. Um, in fact, I'm working on one at the moment. The, um, yeah, the first ever modern ghost story. Um, so that's kind of, that's been put to one side, just getting this finished. Um, hopefully though, that'd be an absolute, well, it'd be an absolute brilliant uh, accomplishment to get that done for next year. So, Plan is, yeah, post all this, maybe get some sleep, and uh, and then, yeah, like, let's get released that next year. Yeah, sleep's overrated. <laughs> get on it, TW. Um, so before we wrap things up, one thing we ask everybody we have on the show is, like, what do you think is the most frightening? What scares you the most? For me, it's, it's, it sounds like such a cop-out, but, yeah, it's, it's always been ghosts, and I guess probably the scariest thing I can remember for going back to when I was really young was seeing... It was like a live broadcast or live like uh, broadcast on TV, which was actually a prank. Uh, and it was told with a bunch of UK uh, children's TV presenters called Ghostwatch. And like that was beyond scary at the time because you're basically set up to believe they're doing an investigation to a, to a haunted house. But the haunted house is just like, a you know, it's like uh, the conjuring. It's, it's literally just a, you know, a house down the block. Yeah, you, so you watch halfway through, nothing really happens. And then like the whole place just everything goes to hell and that terrified me for years absolute years um and it's really funny meeting people now my age and they're kind of like you mention it and they're like oh my god you know i could not sleep for months afterwards so it's got this kind of shared traumatized people in their 30s that have, that have lived through it i think it's been referenced by the guys that did the blair witch they were like oh we saw that when we were young and 
it was a cool kind of fake documentary, like very awesome worlds. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say very uh, War of the Worlds. I have got to look that up. It's got to be online somewhere. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I'm sure it's on DVD. Um, but yeah, you'd like it. It's really cool. Um, and I guess um, Japanese horror. Um, I've always loved, like, um, I think I probably saw The Grudge way too young. And uh, <laughs> that always absolutely terrified me. It's, yeah, that aesthetic, as you said before, with like the hair. Is there anything else you want to add? You know, anything at all? Um, separate to Early Haunts, I've got a, an actual a video game out tomorrow on uh, HIO, which, um, yeah, for any fans of folk horror, called Pylons, which, uh, yeah, it's kind of like folk horror meets uh, a fake edutainment game from uh, the 1970s. So, um, yeah, that, that's out on HIO tomorrow, and it's only like $3. Oh, nice. That's awesome. So it's uh, 8-bit? Yeah, like really, really retro. It's kind of like one of those things that perhaps, you know, you, you play in school, it'd be like, uh, you know, when the class just had literally one computer in the corner. In the UK, there was this big thing in the 80s and 70s where they had these like terrifying public information films, which I think Edgar Wright cited one as being like one of the scariest things he'd ever seen. There was one called Apaches, which he talks about. And it's just the most, you can get it on YouTube. It's kids going and playing like around a farmyard and then each one dies in like the most awful way. And it was just on TV. Yeah, there was one of that. There was one of like railways and it was one on pylon. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it was kind of a fun way of combining <laughs> shared she had nightmare from uh, my childhood yeah. <laughs> <laughs> folk horror. That's really exciting. Well, I know this was a quick interview because we wanted to get it out on time for the final two weeks of the Kickstarter, uh, but we had such a blast talking to you today. We absolutely have to have you back on the show to, to continue talking. We're really excited to get our hands on this beautiful hardbound edition. And for anyone listening, you know, again, the Kickstarter ends November 6th. Uh, so thanks so much for joining us, Tom. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Cody. It's a huge fan of the show. It's been, uh, been fantastic to chat to you. Thanks. Have a wonderful Halloween. You too. Happy Halloween. Hunting Season was created by me, Joshua Sterling Bragg, produced by Greg Holdsman and Jessica Richmond, and executive produced by Matt Gielen, Patrick James Lynch, and Ryan Gielen, and is a joint production of Believe Limited and Matt Gielen. This episode was written and hosted by me, Cody Dugan, and Joshua Sterling Bragg. It was edited by Colby Crow, and all the music in this episode was made exclusively for the podcast by North Innsbruck. If you like our show, please subscribe on your favorite platform. Full episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. 